Well, thanks so much, Ken. It is uh, awesome, awesome to have a gifted uh, worship leader here with us. Isn't it a great perk here to uh, work here at Tyndale and be here? Oh, I have to go and worship uh, on Tuesday morning. Oh, rats. <laughs> so thank you so much. If uh, you don't know, uh, my name's Dave Overholt, and uh, I teach here at Tyndale. And one of the facets, I just realized uh, one of my uh, students from way back I think I've been here for like 23, 24 years. And it's this weird thing. I think, oh no, it's been maybe eight or nine years. But no, for a long time, I have uh, called these hallowed halls uh, my home. And I love it. I get to teach in the youth ministry department. Uh, on the side, I'm a senior pastor at, in Hamilton of a youth-targeted church, which I love. I absolutely love being a pastor. And we're going to open up God's Word here uh, for just a short time. I'm going to ask His blessing because uh, that needs to happen. So let's, uh, let's pray. So Heavenly Father, Your Word is holy, it's alive, it's real, it is sharp. And so, uh, Spirit of God, I depend on You to be our teacher today. You are the one that will have to drive it home. You are the one that will have to, to weave it between all the corners of our lives. So, Spirit of God, I invite you to come and be our teacher through the holy word that you wrote so long ago. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> In uh, preparation for the class I've, I've been teaching, I've been listening to a few social commentators and so I, I thought, man, why not use some class content here in my message? So I'm just uh, discovering that uh, our society is at uh, often attempts itself to insulate itself from pain and death. Everything from trigger warnings in, uh, in college, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm discovering in some universities there, there's a trigger warning. This might have some material that might cause you emotional pain. And so they, they warn people ahead of time to every kid getting a ribbon. Uh, my, uh, my pa one of the pastors I work with, his, uh, his wife uh, is a skating instructor. And so she took a, a lot of uh, grade school kids out skating. And she said, okay, I'm going to put pylons there. We're going to go for a race. We're going to race and see who gets across first. And she had one of the, the students sit out and say, well, I'm not going to go and do this. And, and she says, come on, come on, this is going to be fun and see how fast you can skate. She said, he, he said, no, no, I'm not going to do this because uh, at my school we don't do this. Because if you have a race, somebody wins and then people lose. And that makes you feel bad. So there's this protection about let's not race, let's not do this because it might make you feel bad, which is just a horrible thing. Uh, some of the social commentators are saying that out of all the worldviews, secularism is least able to, of the worldviews, to know how to even handle pain. How does it handle pain? Uh, Christianity, Islam, Buddhism, even like Hinduism, they, they've got karma, all right? So at least we have, all have something to talk about pain. But what does the secular world have to talk about pain? It has no ultimate purpose or meaning in life beyond myself. And that's the only thing that, the, that our, our cultural religion is pushing on us. Is there, therefore, the reason to live has to be to be happy. Happy. Happiness is the highest good. If happiness is the highest good, then, then some kind of pain is the highest evil. And, and we protect ourselves from physical pain so much, it must be psychological pain is the, the worst thing that you can do to one another. So even some people are def uh, starting to define themselves uh, of, of good and evil around what makes me feel good in the moment. 
So if pain comes into your life, it is a, an interruption to the meaning of life at, at, at easiest. At worst, it's a full-on assault to why I live. Uh, as a pastor, it's fun to be able to get to do some counseling. And there's a, there's a young woman who got married uh, two years ago. And uh, her and her husband are, um, are having some bumps. And so she announced to me that she's leaving him, getting a divorce. And I said, well, so why, why are you doing this? Um, and here's, here's the answer. Here's the answer. He doesn't make me feel happy. All right? So I, I'm not sure about any of us. We all go through bumps, right? Wow, he doesn't make you feel happy. Anything else? And it was like, is there anything else in life? And so, um, so we, we've got them some counseling and tried to put them together. And then she, she announced to me, she said, I'm leaving the church. And, but the, 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 all kinds of people leave the church. Here's, here's the thing that was fascinating to me. She said, I leave the church because I don't feel safe here. And well, why not? You know, are, are we causing you? Because we're not supporting her in what she feels to be true. And so we sip on this, we drink on this all over, and we just don't know how to feel pain. And my happiness is number one. And if anybody tramps on that, I'm being bullied, I, I'm being pushed. It's, it's tough because I, happiness is it. It slips into the church in some fascinating ways. I was just reading a, a book called God is Good. And he, the, the, the writer here, I'm not going to tell you who it is. You can ask me afterwards if you want. The writer here is talking about... Uh, the whole idea that God gives good gifts. And he does, doesn't he? Uh, Jesus said that. That he, you know, if you ask for you know, a piece of bread, he's not going to give you a stone. God gives good gifts. And so he says this. God does not allow sickness to build character in our lives. He only gives good gifts. Basically, God does not allow anything bad into your life because God's good. And how, how can bad things ever come? And, and I'm thinking, wow. The religion of our society presses in on us. And with that, we just don't know how to handle sadness. We don't know how to handle pain. And so with that in this background, let's read some scripture. I'm going to turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Some of you know what's already coming. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 to 10. A little bit of the background, you know that Paul has had this vision of heaven. In fact, he's been translated up into heaven. He's not allowed to tell us about it. And because of those heavenly visions, uh, he says this in the middle of verse 7. So to keep me from becoming proud, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. I was given a thorn in my flesh. Okay, I, I'm used to uh, hanging out with teenagers, so a little bit of participation here. So I need you to say out loud with me, I was given, okay? I was given, all right, ready? One, two, three. Well, not too bad, not too bad. Sounds very not super enthusiastic, but not bad. I was given. Like, can we say that again? I was given? I uh, thanks for the enthusiasm. Front row. Okay. Keener. Awesome. So, yes, I was given, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Some people wonder what this is. Some people wonder if it's a person, if you've worked in church, you think, well, yeah. But more people think it probably has more to do with a physical ailment, probably with his eyes. 
uh, it says in the book of Galatians, he went there because of this illness. In fact, they would rip out his own eyes and their own eyes and give it to them if they, if, if they, want, if they could. And, and, and it, somehow it got so bad that he's writing at the end of his letters. He said, see what big letters I print. He's a scholar. He grew up a scholar. Could you imagine that? A scholar not being able to write because of this thing with, that's happening with his eye. We don't know what the, the, this, uh, this uh, thorn is, but as we're going to find out, he gets to keep this his whole life. Let's c- continue. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me. So this is not a side thing. This is like, oh, it's only pain and I, I can make it through. This is torment. You know that word, right? We've all experienced torment where you go, I can't make it another day. And so this is what he uses. And to keep me from becoming proud, to keep me from becoming proud. So three times I begged the Lord to take it away. The beautiful thing it says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Uh, I'm not sure if he should have stopped after one. Uh, Most commentators believe this is not just, oh God, take it away, oh God, take it away, oh God, take it away. These were three intense times of prayer, perhaps fasting, saying, God, you've got to remove this. And each time God says, no, no, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. It's almost like Paul forgot this and the torment was so much, so he goes back to God. You've got to take it away. Number two, God comes back with no new revelation, but he still speaks to him. Isn't that good of God? God doesn't go, why are you coming to me again? I told you once. No, he doesn't say that. God, again, graciously gives him the same answer. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. A third time, he finally said, God, anything new. And no, no, nothing new. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Something must have clicked. Something, you know, it, it must have clicked. Okay. Okay, this is it. This is it. And so in that clicking, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. Isn't that weird? <laughs> it's, it's almost like it becomes boasting points. Almost it's like, oh, okay, I've got weaknesses. Let's get together as pastors. Instead of talking about how many people are in your congregation, let's go and do a bit of weakness. Oh, yeah? I got this wrong with me. Oh, yeah, I got this wrong with me. <laughs> oh, yeah, this really worked. out crashed in my life. Oh, okay, yeah, you beat me. You got more weaknesses than I do. This is something he's boasting about. This is something that he's taking pleasure in, in his weaknesses, in the insults, in the hardships, in the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. I think of all the things I pray for people in my my local church. I pray for people to get jobs. And you know what? Sometimes God says yes. I have a little bevy of people that have gotten jobs because our prayer team has come and prayed. And God has been, been more than gracious and given them great jobs. And they love God for it and they praise God for the job. 
We prayed for cars. And it's interesting. I, 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 you know, I'm pastoring Hamilton, lower income. And, uh, you know, some folks just need transportation. And some of our folks are fixing up cars. We pray. And God provides transportation. God has even done some really weird things. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about this here. But, like, even people have been healed by God. You know, does God just still do that? I, what? I, we, the last person that got healed in my church, it was like really weird. We, we're, and he wasn't a believer. He's still not a believer. And, and, and he, he had like this knee surgery that he was, he was going to get. And, and his knee was like really blown out. And he said in the middle of our worship, he just felt warmth. And all of a sudden his knee works. He goes back to the doctor. The x-rays are great. And so he doesn't need knee surgery. So why does God do these things? He's still on his way, still trying to figure out that was God. Anyway, we'll, we'll pray for him. But many times, God gives these good gifts. But the good gift that he gives to Paul is a gift of pain. Isn't that awesome? Can I have a car, God? I've got a better gift for you. I'm going to give you pain and torment. Praise God. So what did Paul do? He did what most of us would do. Take it away. Get rid of it, please. Please get rid of it. Like a patient parent, God did not reprove him for asking three times. He simply said, this is a gift of praise. This is a gift that I'm giving you, the gift of pain. Like the limp of Jacob, God told him there would be two benefits. Number one, you wouldn't be proud. You wouldn't be proud. You wouldn't be proud of the great opportunities given to you. Because arrogance is so repugnant to God. Arrogance seeps into our lives and causes cracks all through our lives and our relationship. It is so evil and wrong that, that God is willing for us to suffer in order that we don't become proud. We, we get our, our, our you know, values mixed up, don't we? With the, the character of Christ is so deathly important to God that he's willing for us to suffer, for us to gain character, which is so important to him. And number two, that he would basically be dependent on God. For the rest of his life, he would need somebody to write for him. A scholar has somebody else actually to write for him. And so in the, in the title of his book, you know, you get the book and, and your name's in it, but... Somebody else's name is in it too, because you're not the only one that writes. Every place you, you, you go, you're, you just look weird. You just look weird. You know, this, ah, wow, Paul, you should do something about that, right? And why? He just has to become dependent on God. I'm so not where Paul is, but I've reached a, a, a milestone, a goal in my life. I turned 60 years old, so I, I'm a big 6-0, woohoo, I, I remember when I was a first youth pastor at 20 years old, I thought, man, I heard about some guy that was like 60 and hung out with teenagers, I did it, yes, yes, the McDonald's did not kill me, it's uh, great. I, and, and last weekend, I, I got to speak to uh, some kids in Edmonton. One, this, it's a crazy place. There's this one workshop. It was a workshop on how to share your faith. And they had a thousand kids in there. A thousand kids in there. All right? So here's me. I'm 60 years old. 
I'm there, and these kids are all streaming in, looking at me. Who is, the, who is this one? Who let this one in, right? And I'm going over my stories, and I, I, these are stories I've told all the time, and I'm forgetting them. I'm going, ah, what happened to the brain? I just, ah, that's, that's tough. I, I just, like, sprained my ankle really bad. I've sprained them so many times. I don't think there's ligaments. I think they just sort of flop at the bottom, and I try and walk straight. And so I, I'm, I'm, I'm hobbling up with my orthotics, all right? And I have tinnitus. I've, I'm such bad here. I've got so much tinnitus on my ear, I, I can't hear well, so I lip read. And so, so this, this young lady comes and goes, <laughs> That's really cool. I had no idea what she said, but she was happy with my cool response. I take my notes in my hands and put them on the stage. I've had, since I was 10 years old, this thing called an essential tremor where my hands shake a lot. And so they're shaking. People have always wondered if I'm nervous. And so I tell kids how they can share their faith. I've asked God to take away all these things. But guess what? He's given me a wonderful gift. The wonderful gift of being really messed up. It's a beautiful thing. Why? Because the kids come up afterwards and say, God spoke. <laughs> and you go, that's cool. Because it's all God. It's all God. One kid wanted me to sign their t-shirts. Put the t-shirt down. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about a big God that does things through weak people. Before I get up, it's really easy to listen to any lie. Isn't it easy to listen to the lies? Why are you here? What do you have to share? Yeah. You're not good at this anymore. You should have retired long ago. The world would tell me and say, no, I'm capable, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm strong. <laughs> the Lord tells me, no, you're weak, you're weak, but I'm stronger. Depend on me, Dave, and I'll do miracles through you. At the end of the day, you're an old peanut butter jar that got scraped out, and beautiful flowers are going to be put into and people will see the flowers and they'll go, they're beautiful and no one will notice the peanut butter jar. And that's a good thing. And so, peanut butter jars, welcome. <laughs> Make sure you get all the last bit of peanut butter out of you. And I hope as, as, uh, as we minister in all different ways, we can grab onto the gift of pain. And say, thank you, God, as Paul did. I'm going to revel in that gift. And God, may you do great things through peanut butter jars filled with cracks. Father, thank you for the gifts that you do give us to take away our pain. Thank you for the pain that you leave there. God makes us so much more dependent on you. I love you, Father. Because in the end of the day, when the lamb takes up the scroll and the 24 elders are going to fall before casting their crowns and the four living creatures are going to fly around you calling holy and all of us from all ages will fall on our faces to you saying that you're worthy 
And all the people who have not believed will still bow the knee and recognize you are worthy, Jesus, the lamb. And all creation goes and bows before you. When that happens, I will be happy that there was nothing about this old peanut butter jar. It was all about you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, (laughs) you're great and awesome and wonderful. We love you. Thank you that sometimes in your graciousness you take away pain. Sometimes you give us the gift of pain. And Lord, help us to be able to see that as a gift. Help us to embrace it, to make sure we become dependent on you because of it. And that you would get all the glory because you deserve it, O Lamb of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace, go in joy, go in the fullness of the Holy Spirit.